Are you currently in college or recently graduated but kind of struggling to figure out how to approach your post-grad life? If so, then I have the perfect guide for you, which I created for my college self in mind. That is the Everyday Girl's Guide to Career Success ebook, which features a holistic approach to all things starting out in your career during and after college, from cultivating the right mindset, building your resume, maximizing your LinkedIn profile and network, and so much more. I take you through a personal step-by-step guide on how to prepare for all areas needed when searching for a job. And these were actually many steps that I personally did between my sophomore and senior year of college, as well as the first year out of college. So I always highly recommend to start early to create opportunities for yourself. In this ebook guide, you will find cover letter tips and custom templates available for download, resume building steps with three custom templates, LinkedIn tools, and step-by-step guide on maximizing your profile, top 20 behavioral interview questions, and a lot more. Again, you can find this online at whatfulfillsyou.com. Just make sure when you click shop, just go to all products and you will find the ebook there, or just go to the show notes and it will be linked. Emily Elizabeth, and I'm the host of the What Fulfills You podcast, a show for and about individuals always seeking to be their best selves. On this show, we talk all about building the mindset, finding the right careers, creating meaningful relationships, and so much more. Welcome to the What Fulfills You podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the What Fulfills You podcast. My name is Emily Elizabeth. I'm your host. And today's episode is just a fun, relaxed, personal Q&A. And it's something that I try to do once a quarter. And I have you guys submit questions through Instagram stories on the What Fulfills You account. Or sometimes if you want, you can just send a DM. And if it's something that I feel like is a reoccurring theme, I'll definitely include it in the Q&A episode. So just kind of as an FYI, in case you're wondering how you can submit a question for the next Q&A. But yeah, these I feel like are super important for me to include on the podcast just because I started this podcast with the intention and I continue to do so in keeping it personal. I never want to feel like it's separate from who I am as Emily. And I think that could be the case sometimes if I'm always having guests. And so I really try to incorporate more personal life things. And I do get a lot of feedback from you guys on preferring my solo episodes or just having a strong preference of a balance in both guests and solo episodes. So I keep that all in mind when it comes to feedback. I selected three for today and one is like business related more and I feel like it's actually a great question for those of you who listen and get inspired for entrepreneurial related things and then the other two are nonetheless more personal around like dating life and my love language. So I'll start with one of the more personal dating questions and then I'll do the business one second and then the last one I will end on another personal kind of relationship related question. So someone recently asked, how is my dating life going right now? And it's super funny because, um, you know, I had previously shared, I don't even know how long ago this was now because I released the episode way later than the actual current events. So I released a breakup episode, I think 
I want to say sometime in, I don't know, March maybe? I, I really forget now. That is just kind of prefacing that, you know, I did go through a very interesting, is the best way to put it, interesting time and experience with my last relationship. Um, I will say it's one that definitely opened me up in such a loving way. And I'm really grateful for that experience. Although I, I want to say too, there was a point in my kind of nine month process of, well, it was, it was weird. It's it, like it, it, there during that nine months, if you have been listening for a while, it wasn't fully a closed chapter, which is why I think some of my closest friends who knew about it wouldn't describe it as a breakup or healing phase. It was more of a lull phase where we were like, I don't know, more or less on and off is the best way to put it. And I remember it was so difficult for me at a certain point that I would tell my friend, I, you know, I really wish we didn't meet and and not to say that I actually meant that but that's just how hard it was at the time and so I, I share that because I think that's important to preface on kind of what the past year has looked like in regards to my dating life and yeah you know I, I was in a relationship and I was pretty quiet about it and I think I, I didn't really share with my social media world I was in a relationship until I don't know I want to say like five six seven months into the relationship and I think I was more vocal about the I guess the breakup and kind of the emotional process after the fact but fast forward to today in which I will reference it as summer 2023 um you know, I, if you follow my personal Instagram, you might have seen that earlier in the summer, I coincidentally met someone that I ended up taking a trip with to Cartagena. And, um, you know, there's just so many interesting aspects to the dynamic. Um, and, and, you know, it really just kind of depends on how things evolve with that in terms of how much I eventually share on details but I I'll put it this way um and this is just a me thing too when it comes to dating if I am seeing someone and you know I I know there's such a cultural thing too right in American culture I think people are always kind of dating around until you have the exclusive conversation and for me personally and 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 this does not change regardless of how the other person is doing it but if I like someone and I'm interested in them and I am gauging how the dynamic is as it's evolving I am I wouldn't consider myself just openly single if that makes sense right although I I say that because in within you know American culture with dating apps and kind of the little bit more open dating culture I think it is more common you know I have a girlfriend who's who's kind of like this where she told me hey I mean like it's not exclusive until you have a conversation about it and and that's that's totally fine um I just think like I said I I don't change my approach 
based on how the other person is doing it, but I am mindful of their approach to it, their communication about it. And of course, I think it's like being open about it too, right? So I think it's important to have a conversation as you go. It's something I learned from one of my girlfriends who is actually, I think she's nine or 10 years older than me. So that's been such a nice thing to have to. We've been friends for three years and she's like an older sister to me. And she has shared with me a lot of wisdom on on how to approach relationships in the healthiest way possible. And that especially goes with communication and openness. And in particular with her too, she taught me you know, why she goes day by day instead of thinking too far out, you know, which is a tendency I used to have, uh, I want to say two years ago, where I used to think, where's this going to go? Um, I used to try to predict, you know, if there was something worthwhile here and I would try to make my decisions based off of the prediction of that future. And you could just tell that I used to live a lot in fear and calculation by that thought process. And so um, her and my other friend Elia, who's been on the podcast, they both have taught me in different ways. I think number one, how to just step into being more of a loving being. And I notice that when I'm more in the state of love, I don't hold on to these fears and thought processes that makes me think in the future when it's unnecessary. But, you know, I remember my my guy friend, he had reached out to me and said, you know, he was trying to get my opinion on whether he should like pursue this girl or um, at least like articulate to her that he, you know, had interest. And it was crazy because I, I heard some of the things that I used to once say as well as a, as a thinker, but he was thinking about certain things that were super long term, you know, different dynamics when it comes to like culture things and parents and things like that. And I'm like, bro, you haven't even dropped the hint yet that you like her. Maybe start there first, right? Like he's thinking about level 10 when he hasn't even passed level one or level two yet, you know? So I think that's something I noticed about myself too. You know, not jumping ahead too soon and thinking about where this is going. I like to enjoy the process. And I'm also, again, I'm not naive either. I'm, I'm, I'm not dating just to date. I think it's also important to me that the person that I am dating when we're in that phase, I am being very aware of the traits that are aligned and the visions that are aligned, or maybe it's not. And, you know, I think too, I've, I've had this before where maybe I went on a date with someone in the past and I just didn't see it going past a second date. And so for that reason, I will always communicate with the person especially if they ask me, you know, to see me again. I have done this plenty of times in over the past two years um, before my last relationship where I told the person that I really appreciate it. And I do think they're a great person because I'm, I, I, I'm very honest about my thoughts. I always just articulate, you know, that I don't maybe see alignment or things like that and hope that, you know, we can remain friends or civil or whatever. So that's usually the case for me. I don't I don't just date to date around. <laughs> That's my spiel on dating. Uh, long story short, and my dating right now, I am, but that's kind of all I'm going to leave it at. And I think that's in part because I'm relatively private about my dating life. And I also usually talk more openly about it 
I guess after things have occurred. So, you know, even if it's someone I'm like actively dating, I will usually share more about something like, let's say it's like, okay, been dating them for almost a year. I will maybe then share how we started to date, how things started in the beginning, things like that. Just because I think from that lens, it's um, easier to be more open because things have already happened. And also you just have more, I think, of a clear vision in terms of like hindsight. And also as a quick tidbit, in case you're wondering, um, because I do get this a lot too when it comes to like, oh, how do you meet people? I'm going to be honest. I am not a fan of utilizing apps or having a kind of tool like that to seek out dating or potential partners, things like that. Now, it's different if it's Instagram for me personally. If, you know, in the past, if I had experiences where I had met someone because of Instagram or social media because of what I do. But besides that, um, yeah, I met this person organically, actually through a mutual friend, which I think is always the best scenario because how do I explain it? I don't know. There's just a lot of different parts to to the dynamic that makes it more warm and welcoming than meeting someone kind of like it's kind of like sales you know like a cold call right like I think of it where when you're meeting someone off of an app or you know maybe kind of randomly it's still like they're a complete stranger whereas through a mutual friend you already know certain things or you know like what the common ground is if that makes sense so I think that's the fun part Um, but yeah this last person and most recent person that I am dating uh, we met through a mutual friend. All right. Second question is, when is it time to get an LLC as a new business owner or freelancer? So I want to preface, I am not an expert in this kind of stuff. I think this is maybe geared more towards a lawyer. But that being said, I do think this is a pretty simple, straightforward question that a lot of entrepreneurs who have already been through this process can answer. I will speak from my own experience and my own approach. So take it as you will. Don't take it as any kind of professional advice. But I would say, um, for example, my social media marketing agency, I did not create an LLC for that until I want to say like a year in. And the reason for that is because I personally believe that, you know, trying to set up an LLC and all these different nuances especially when you don't have money flowing in yet is kind of a waste and it's also not really necessary especially because if you are a freelancer like in that case when I started the agency I'm more or less a freelancer right so you know I'm the the taxes are the same in terms of like single member LLC versus sole proprietorship so I think in that in that case you know it's it's pretty similar I think that one of the main reasons I decided to turn the agency into an LLC is because as I started to work with different clients and expanded the business, right? So again, I'm, you know, increasing the revenue, things like that. It became more pertinent to me that, okay, it's time to ensure that I'm protected from a legal standpoint that, you know, Emily Duong is separate from the corporation, things like that. And for those of you who are not as knowledgeable in this, the reason why that is relevant is because, you know, God forbid, worst case scenario, let's say you run a business and you get sued. If you are, if you don't have a corporation, 
and you are a freelancer, for example, um, you know, your assets are at risk. Whereas when I, and, and when I say assets, I mean like your personal assets. Whereas um, if you are a freelancer, but then you incorporate your business and you have a client that sues you or something of that nature, um, they're going to go after the corporation and that's going to be a shield from your personal assets, if that makes sense. So um, I would say long story short with that, for that answer, I think the best time to get it is when you actually start to see consistent traction in your business. And this is especially if you are a freelancer, because keep in mind, getting an LLC, like it's just another cost for you too, and you have to maintain it every year. So just make sure you are actually bringing something in so that it makes it worthwhile. Because let's say you only have two clients. I would say the risk is, again, don't quote me on this, but I would say the risk is lower if you're you know if you just like a freelancer right now and the risk of you getting sued yeah, is, is pretty low. And again, also, I think it depends on your industry too. So keep that in mind. But I would say that the core focus would be to actually make consistent business revenue first. And then from there, form an LLC and then look into, you know, the, the different nuances. Definitely you can talk to like a CPA, a lawyer, things like that. Uh, just so you also know when it comes to filing taxes and all the different benefits for which way you want to go. Third and final question what is your love language slash attachment style? So I like this question a lot because I think this is also good to know in all relationships, although it is primarily for romantic ones. But I think just being aware, especially about your attachment style, can go a long way when it comes to kind of all relationships as a whole. And so for me, love language, I have to say my top two are acts of service and physical touch. I think it's been like this for many years now. Um, what's cool about this is that I have heard that it it is it makes it a lot easier when you and your partner share the same top love language or top love languages. But even if that's not the case, if both you and your partner are aware of one another's love language, it makes it a lot easier to know how they want to be loved and what you can do to make them feel that way, right? So for example, someone that has physical touch as their top love language, it's probably someone that you do want to give a lot of hugs to or like touch them on their shoulder or hold their hand, things like that. And I think that's just the involvement of becoming a better partner, right? When you're more mindful of these different nuances that really make a big difference in any kind of relationship, especially romantic. So uh, same thing, vice versa, maybe it's like quality time. So it's like being mindful of putting the phone away when you're at dinner or when you're having a conversation, things like that goes a long way because trust me, I've been on both sides when it comes to trying to be a better partner by understanding how they like to feel loved and what makes them feel loved and vice versa. And I've noticed a big difference when I when I see a partner put in the effort to, you know, hit my top love languages. And also for me to do the same, because I, you know, I, I love to do that for a partner I'm with. So yeah, if you're not sure what your love language is, I would definitely recommend to take the quiz online. I'll probably link it in the show notes, but it's pretty easy. I think it was created by a guy named Gary Chapman, I believe that's his name. I, I think it's a really awesome way just to have insight 
and understanding into what makes you feel loved and what makes your partner feel loved. When it comes to attachment style, when I first looked into attachment style, I definitely skewed on the anxious side. And I would say it came from me recognizing like the small, I don't know, I guess you could say like jealousies and like things like being worried about something that's just like not even there. And and this is heavily, especially again, probably two, three years ago now that I had this kind of dynamic. Not that it doesn't exist though. I just think that it's been minimized a lot. And that was something I really wanted to get towards when it when I started to recognize what these attachment styles meant and how it uh, you know plays out in relationships. A statistic I saw was that the success of two secure partners in a relationship is, I think, very much the same, to my surprise, as a dynamic where there's only one secure partner and the other one is anxious or avoidant. So it really just takes one secure partner to, I don't know, kind of like be the rock in the relationship. And um, I think for me, that was a sign that I, once again, I control my side of, just my side of the court, if you will, from <laughs> referencing tennis, right? But like, just my side, my half, whatever, I can control that. And I don't have to react the way my partner is, right? So if he is more avoidant, I don't have to react a certain way to try to get it, get his attention in a certain way, whatever. I think being a secure partner, which I would say, I, you know, I would say I'm like, 80 90 percent secure um in regards to my attachment stocks again i think i believe it is on a spectrum and and can vary it from time to time but i would say that's where i put myself now and i think when you have that foundation you also change how you communicate right so i think you handle a quote-unquote less secure partner in a better way and from what i read in that book attached i think somewhere in that book which i read like a year ago it talked about how the reason why having just one solid secure partner is effective is because it becomes like a domino effect on the other partner in that they also kind of slowly react in a similar way. So if you're acting and holding your foot down on being a secure person and being a secure partner, and that includes the way you communicate, the way you treat them, the way you don't play games, things like that. Most of the time, they reciprocate the the, the less secure one. They reciprocate in a similar way because you're because of your secure attachment. You are not going to worsen their insecure attachment, if that makes sense. So, um, I would highly advise for those of you who are curious about relationships, becoming a better partner, having a better partner, having better relationships as a whole. Learn about attachment styles and learn to understand what yours is and maybe like where that pendulum swing is and you know if you are I guess like ambitious like me and you notice that you aren't in the category that you would like to see yourself in or you would like to be in find different steps that you can take to become more of the secure partner right so look into what you're reading and and what you hear you know someone I love to listen to is Esther Perel Look into what are some of the things that secure partners do in situations where you're reacting or acting in a more insecure way, right? So I know a common one for anxious attachment, if you want more, I don't know, attention or whatever it is from your partner, anxious attachment often 
um, do these different things. Like instead of communicating directly, they will pull kind of like a, I don't know, some unfortunately unhealthy like story. Maybe they'll text their partner and like threaten the relationship, for example, or try to cause noise, right? Instead of communicating, hey, I haven't heard from you today. You know, it makes me miss you. Like, you know, how's it going? Like, how's your day been, right? Like instead of like causing a stupid story, because again, I've done similar things in my past too. So I totally understand and empathize with it. But I think if you can call yourself out on things that you've seen yourself do in the past, and actually write down solutions on what you could do instead the next time you're faced with that scenario. I think that can be really helpful. And again, I'm just speaking for myself and speaking from my personal experience because that certainly helped me. So yeah, that's a little bit on my love language and attachment style. So that was all for today's fun little Q&A episode. As always, I hope you guys enjoyed it, found it fun to tune into. And if you are curious or want to submit some early Q&As for the next Q&A episode, just drop a DM. You can DM me on my personal Instagram at Emily E. Duong or the What Fulfills You one at What Fulfills You and I will make sure I include it. And if you have any feedback from this episode as well, just DM me and, and especially for those of you who submitted these questions, if you have feedback from them or want to pick more of my brain on it, I'm happy to answer and I do just love chatting with you guys every week. So thank you so much again for tuning in to What Fulfills You. I would chat with you all next week. Bye.